Hey everyone, welcome to Infuse Church Online. Today we're continuing our series, Christmas at the Movies, where we're going to be talking about something that I'm pretty sure we all have in common. We have all been considered an outcast, a misfit. We've all not been included or felt apart. And so today we're going to talk about what we do first when we feel like we aren't included. Well, then that's okay. Okay, who, may I ask, are you? We're Rudolph and Hermie and Yukon Cornelius, sir. Who are you? I'm the official sentry of the Island of Misfit Toys. A jack-in-the-box for a sentry? Yes, my name is... Don't tell me. Jack. No, Charlie. That's why I'm a misfit toy. My name is all wrong. No child wants to play with a Charlie in the box, so I had to come here. How would you like to be a spotted elephant? Or a choo-choo with square wheels on your caboose? Or a water pistol that shoots jelly? We're all misfits. How would you like to be a bird that doesn't fly? I swim. Or a cowboy who rides an ostrich. <laughs> okay, so I'm kind of curious, uh, by a show of hands, how many of you um, grew up watching uh, movies like this or, you know, the Disney classics, um, and then uh, you watched them and you thought they were the greatest thing, they were really enjoyable, and then you became an adult and you watched them again, and you're like, what in the world? How did I miss that? Like, it's kind of like the jelly. It's like, Somebody, what? I mean, a gun that shoots jelly? Of all the weird things to, about a gun, and then that gun shoots jelly. I don't know. Anyways, so uh, I'm looking forward to that as Ellie gets older, um, watching some of the classics and like, what happened in Aladdin again? Anywho. So um, today uh, we are in part three of our series, um, Christmas at the Movies. Now, before we jump into that, though, um, I want to highlight what's happening next week because I've had some questions about it, so I just want to provide a lot of clarity. Um, we have a regular service at our regular time in our regular place, which just happens to be right now in here next Sunday as we wrap up our series, Christmas at the Movies, okay? And then the, follow the next day, which is a Monday, is Christmas Eve. If that is a shock to you, you might be in trouble when it comes to gifts. So Christmas Eve is, is literally next week, and um, we are going to have a special service um, that evening at 5.30, because we realize some of you have to work on Christmas Eve. So at 5.30, we're going to have an awesome service right in here, um, and it should be a lot of fun. I realize for some of you, you're like, wow, church back-to-back. Um, that's a lot. You haven't done that since your childhood, but I promise we will make it worth it if you can make it. Okay? Now, today's movie, um, or Christmas at the Movies movie, um, is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And maybe, I realize, some of you may not have seen that particular version of Rudolph and the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, but I know, at least I'm hoping, <laughs> you all know the story. Okay? And so I thought it'd be really fun if we just reviewed the story in song this morning. Okay, so if you need to, um, warm up your vocal cords a little bit, because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start and give you the first part of the line, and then you follow up with the second, okay? You feeling it this morning? Okay, great. Okay, at least five of you, so I'm going to sing loudly. Okay, here we go. Ready? Okay. Rudolph the Red Nose. 
Oh, very good. And if you ever saw it, very nice. Some of you even wanted to put the little things in the in between. That was very good. And and by the way, um, some of you just sound so awesome. Uh, we could use some more vocalists on the band. So think about it, okay? All right. Now, here's the part that we're going to talk about today, okay? And so, I'll, I'll, again, do the same thing. I'm going to say it, and then you, you keep going, all right? And if you know the little in-betweens, you can throw those in there if you want to. Okay, here we go. All of the other reindeer... They never let poor Rudolph. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Monopoly or whatever it is. Okay, yeah, very good. Yeah, you guys sound beautiful. And uh, it is truly a bummer for Rudolph, isn't it? He didn't get to be part of any of the reindeer games. And I'm guessing that's where most of us have some commonality or can understand or empathize with Rudolph just a little bit. Um, we've all been at some point in our lives, maybe right now or in the past, we've all been in Rudolph's shoes or hoofs or however you want to call it. Um, we've all experienced where we didn't get to be a part of the games. Or maybe for some of you, you were like the last person or among the last people to be picked on the playground for the athletic events. Um, that was me until about high school, and I grew, grew tall, and then people were like, well, at the very least, you can probably push people around, so we'll pick them at least in the middle at that point. Um, so that was nice. Um, but we've all had um, experiences um, where, whether it be with our friends, our coworkers, or our family, uh, where we didn't get to participate in the games. And as I was thinking about this, um, I thought uh, back to when we first moved um, to Iowa City, uh, Stephanie and I, and uh, we were beginning preparations uh, to get Infuse started. And uh, so uh, we thought it'd be good to get into the community, get to know people. And one of the ways um, that I think it was actually Stephanie recommended that I do this is to join um, one of the local um, young professional groups in town which was a good idea, um, get to understand people a little bit more and, and make some connections. And uh, so I went um, to my very first event, okay, and I showed up on time, which obviously was the wrong thing to do uh, because there was only four people there, okay? And so I um, walked in and, and I saw the table, so I sat down with them and, um, and, and so conversation was going on. Now, what is the question, when you're part of a young professionals group, what is the question that everybody's asking? The first question to get to know you. What do you do? Absolutely. Okay. And what do I do? <laughs> uh-huh. And so this is how this went. I, they, they turned to me and they're like, oh, and you are. I introduced myself. And, I, and then they said, and what do you do, Taylor? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and nobody said a thing. And so I just sat there kind of wondering what to do. And you could see in their, in their eyes, like the gears are turning up here. And it, it was kind of, at least I just kind of imagined this is what they were thinking. But I think it was partially true is, is like, one, I never really considered that being a pastor is really a professional thing. Okay? That was the first thing they, they were going through. And then they went to the next step, which was, isn't it a Tuesday? I didn't know you guys worked through the week. Uh-huh, yeah. And so then they just kind of like had to do something with it, and so then they said, well, where do you pastor at? To which I said, well, not anywhere yet, but we're starting a church. <laughs> to which they said, that's nice, and they moved on, okay? 
<laughs> and that, I'll be honest with you, um, one of the many changes when you go from just being a normal human being to being a pastor, which is apparently a different kind of human being, um, is you go through this feeling that you are different than everybody else. When you walk into a room, when you're part of a group, um, a professional group, whatever it may be, um, there's a lot of stereotypes that get kind of associated with you, whether that's you or not, it really doesn't matter, and you feel like you don't exactly fit in, and that's what I felt. Specifically, and in the theme with um, our, our movie um, today, um, I felt like in that moment, and I'm sure you have too, I felt like a misfit. I felt like I did not fit in that group of people. So here's my question to you. When have you felt like a misfit? When have you felt like a misfit? Now, for some of you, I completely understand. Like, you're at the point in your life, in this season, wherever you are, where you almost, like, want to stand up right now and just say, all the time, like, that is so me. I mean, my whole life even, I have felt like I didn't exactly fit in. It was never easy for whatever reason, and maybe you blame this person or that person or your parents for how they brought you up, whatever. You just feel like you're never exactly quite fitting in in the places that you are. For some of you, um, you're struggling because you're a single parent, and it is hard because you, can't, you don't even know exactly what group because you can't hang with the single people because they don't have kids, and then you hang with the married people, and then the married people are like, you know, you just kind of feel like the odd one out, and it's, it's difficult. How do you make connections? And you're just trying to make it work on top of that. For some of you, your kids and their choices and their behaviors, young and old, uh, you know, you just feel like a little bit of a misfit. When you have to walk into the principal's office or you have to have that conversation with a teacher, you're just in that season of life, whatever it may be, that you just feel like a misfit. Your personality, you know, there's just some things and you're like, is it me? I don't know. And it's difficult. For some, for some of you, like, it's a really good thing. Like, it's a good quality. You are the hard worker in your organization. Not plural. You are the hard worker. Everybody else is on a different wavelength. And so even though you're bringing something good to the company, you feel all the time when you go to work that you're kind of just the odd one out. People kind of look at you like, why do you work so hard? You make us all look bad. And it's challenging. For some of you, you're looking at next week and Christmas, and maybe some of you already started celebrating Christmas, and you're saying, Christmas gatherings. In Christmas gatherings, I feel like the misfit because of a variety of reasons. Maybe it's a job. The job you have you know, among your family isn't considered good enough. Or just maybe you lack a job. And that doesn't help when you're walking into Christmas and then they say, where do you work? And you kind of got to scramble and it makes you feel uncomfortable. Maybe for, for you, it's who you bring to Christmas with you that makes you not exactly fit in. Or you know your, your siblings or your parents or your aunts or uncles, they just kind of raise their eyebrows at at you and, and your choices, or they don't approve of who you have with you, and that's difficult. For others of you, I understand this, because this was a couple of Christmases of my life where you just didn't believe the whole Christmas thing in general. So to go to Christmas among your very conservative Christian friends, it makes it a little difficult, because they know you're not on the same wavelength of beliefs, and you're not, and it's just uncomfortable. Maybe you felt like or seen people feel like church. 
was where they didn't fit in, right? You left church because you felt like a misfit. You felt ashamed. You felt intentionally excluded from things. Or you just kind of self-selected, I'm, I'm out because I don't want to fit among you. You hypocrites. You people who treat people differently than at least what I read the Bible says that you should. I thought the great commandment was to love your neighbor, and you're just not loving your neighbor. Or for some of us, and this is a little bit more difficult, the reason you feel like a misfit is this one right here. Sin. And every time I talk about sin, I try to preface it so that you understand. It's not the sin um, that you probably or may have heard of when you were growing up. Sin is, by definition, missing the mark. You're trying to do something. You're trying to be kind. You're trying to do the right thing. Or maybe you're not. Long story short, you end up missing the mark with God or you miss the mark with those people around you. You messed up or you had a whole season of messing up. And because of that sin, you feel like you are defined now by those choices, defined by what you did or didn't do. And people know that. And it negatively affects, or it has negatively affected others and you. Because the thing about sin, and when we talk about it, I also say sin always costs you something. When you miss the mark with someone or God, it costs you may cost them too, but it definitely costs you something. And so you feel like you don't fit in because you don't feel good enough. Or you feel like others see you as a misfit because of your choices. And so here's what we all do, right? We have a choice. And really, I'm kind of simplifying it, but essentially it comes down to two things that we have the option of doing at this point. What do we do? And, and if you haven't recognized it in yourself, you've certainly seen it in others. We have a choice when we don't feel like we fit in. We do one of two things. We either engage in or we run from. We engage in, we hit the problem head on, we sit down and have a conversation even though it's hard. We show up even though we are uncomfortable. We engage in. But more than likely, what I think we've all seen happen more often and what are more tempted to do ourselves is to run from. When we don't fit, when we don't feel included, we avoid. We sweep that under the rug. I mean, think about family time. Get together for Christmas. How many things just collectively you have a, as a family have just kind of run from? Or you know it's going to have to come up at some point, but you just don't want that point to be right now. And you pretend, in some cases, that it just doesn't exist or that it didn't happen. Right? And then you just walk away. You walk away. And it's really unfortunate but that actually is what happens in the movie Rudolph and the Red-Nosed Reindeer. If you're familiar with how it goes, um, Rudolph didn't get to be part of the reindeer games, so he had a choice, engage in or run from, and he chose to run from. So I want you to watch this clip, and then, and then we're going to talk about it when, um, when Rudolph meets his new misfit friend, the elf, who doesn't want to make toys but wants to be a dentist. Okay, check it out. independent. Yeah? Me too. I'm 
Yeah, so they're going to go be independent. And what does independent mean? Not dependent on others. And I think we've got to be honest in that moment of what were they really saying? It's not that they really wanted to be independent. They just felt like they couldn't be dependent. They didn't feel like they could rely on others because others had made them feel like they were a misfit, or in all honesty, sometimes our choices lead us to the point where we feel like the only option is to pretend we're just going to be independent, when really at the end of the day, we're just running from. Because independence, true independence, means that we're taking on responsibility. And oftentimes, at least in my experience, what I've seen is people tend to not take responsibility for their own actions or the actions uh, of others. And instead, they run away from that responsibility. And they claim it's independence, but independence have, has, again, an intentionality with it. But this kind of independence, Rudolph's independence, it is really just unintentional. It's a response to rather than a responsibility for. And we have to be honest because if we're not honest with where we are in this, we're going to have a really hard time with how to move forward. And it really will keep us from the solution that we're going to read about today. So engage with or run from. So here's what Rudolph does, right? Rudolph gets a bunch of uh, misfits together and they go out and they eventually stumble upon the island, as we watched at the very beginning, of misfit toys. And they feel like this is the place where they can fit in. Because why not? Why not? If you're a misfit, you just find another group of misfits to fit in with. But the problem is, now you just all feel like you're misfits together. That you're not of value. That you're so different than anybody else, you can't be accepted in the broader group of whomever you want to be a part of. And it's exceptionally challenging. So they go to King Moonraiser, that's his name, he's the lion with the wings, okay? And ask him if they can live on the island of misfit toys. And I love what the king responds with. So check out the clip and then we'll talk about it. Did you hear that clip or that, that quote? I thought it was so powerful. Unlike place at things, 
A living creature cannot hide himself on an island. Or if I could swap this out to make it even clearer, unlike playthings, a living creature cannot live on an island. And you'd say, well, Taylor, I've seen Castaway, and they can. <laughs> okay? And that's true. But let's be honest. A volleyball is only so good of a companion. Sometimes volleyball floats away. You may be able to survive. In fact, for some of you, that is the life you've been living for maybe way too long. You've just been surviving on your island, but you have not been living. Because you cannot live on an island. As we've talked about before in many series, that is the one point in all of creation, the one point in all of creation when God said it's not good, it's when Adam was alone. It was all good. I created this, good. This, good. Oh, wait. Adam's alone. You can go open it, open your Bible this afternoon to Genesis 1 and read through, and it was not good. Because we're not designed to feel alone. We can't live alone. We can't live avoiding. We can't be honest with ourselves when we are not in relationship. We're just hiding. Just hiding. If you feel like you have to just get through the Christmas events, then there is probably some feelings of being a misfit in that room. I'm not saying let's bring it up and hash it all out this Christmas. I don't know. Maybe that is what needs to happen. I can't say that for you. But if there is that sense of, I think there's some tension here. I think there's some bitterness here. I think there's some, I was the last one to get picked feeling on the playground here. Then there's probably some sense of people feeling like they're living on an island. And that's no way to live. What if, there, what if there was a better way to live? A better way where you don't feel like a misfit, your family doesn't feel like a misfit, you don't find yourself running away and avoiding? What if there was a better way? That'd be pretty great, right? And here's the great thing about this, what we're going to learn in just a second. You don't even have to do the engagement thing quite yet. See, this thing that I'm going to share with you happens when you're in this moment of feeling like a misfit. Before you have decided if you're going to run away, before you have even engaged with, this is your starting point. In that moment where you feel like the outcast, you feel hurt, and you feel alone. The step before running away or engaging with, this is what we're talking about. And the person who introduces this to us is John. The Apostle John, the follower of Jesus, John. And John was an incredible um, guy because he lived a life that was different than all the other disciples. And so if you want to follow along with what we're going to read from John, we're going to be in John chapter 1 again like we were um, two weeks ago. And so if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can follow along or we'll put it up here on the screen as well. Um, but John had a unique experience because John was one of Jesus' favorite disciples. He was one of three uh, of Jesus' favorite disciples out of the 12, okay? And then um, he lived the longest, we believe, out of all the other disciples. All the other disciples died for their faith. 
died because they were not a fit in the Roman Empire and in Jewish culture. And John watched all that happen. And John watched Jesus. John watched Jesus die because he was a misfit. At the end of the day, that's what they charged him with. Not conforming with our norms. Being different then. And it was a different then that just didn't fit in the rest of culture. And so John says, I saw all this happen now as an old man, myself, outcasted to, um, uh, to an island. I'm writing down what I saw happen. And he writes it not in a way, as we talked about in week one, not as a way like Luke and Matthew with angels and all that good stuff. Um, he didn't do the historical, this happened, this happened, this happened. He did the, I want you to see what, what God was doing behind the scenes. What God was doing. And as we learned last week, we learned that everyone expected someone. Everyone expected some Messiah, some chosen one, some Savior to arrive. Why? Because for the past hundred years, prophets have been declaring that there would be a son born, and he would be the Prince of Peace, and the King of Kings, and, and all these things for about 64 things that this Savior, this Messiah would be. So everybody was expecting someone, but they didn't expect Jesus. They expected someone, but they didn't expect Jesus. And, and John's looking there and saying, you know what? We didn't know who to expect either. And then Jesus invited, him, invited us to follow him. And by following him, we saw something incredible. And as we learned in week one, this is what John said he saw. He saw the Word become flesh. And if you want a more detailed explanation, really encourage you, if you missed part one of this series, to go back and watch part one. But essentially, God had a body. God came down to earth and was walking among us, which was an incredible idea. We can't even understand, I think, in our culture how incredible of an idea this is. Imagine God, creator of the universe, coming down, being soft, fleshy, squishy, and killable. Not a good move for God. But God did that. And in, in those days, this was such an odd idea. And if you grew up in, um, in, in elementary school and you remember some of your history classes and ancient literature classes, you remember like Greek and Roman mythology, okay? And you learned about all these gods like Zeus and all this. The closest thing any of those gods ever came to human was like Hercules, Right? And this is all happening in Rome. And Rome took um, some of the Greek gods like Hercules and made it their own. And God was, and Hercules was like a semi uh, a demagogue, right? He was like half human, half God, okay? That was the closest you could get. And everybody, who would not want a Hercules on their team, okay? Like you're going to win if Hercules is on your team. Hercules always fits in. But humans, not as good as that. Yet God became human. God became a negative thing, a vulnerable thing. Essentially, God became a misfit. Not a glory, all-powerful, incredible being, just a human. And in their culture, that was completely different. And so then John tries to tease this out for us. And this is where we get into new territory this week in John chapter 1, starting in verse 10. John said, he, Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not 
recognize him. Now, this may be a little confusing, but I guarantee you, you can somewhat relate to this experience, okay? And I'm thinking about when you were, in, when you were going through grade school or high school or college, okay, and you did a project at school, okay, and you pretty much, okay, you made that project happen, okay? I mean, you don't want to brag, but that project would not have happened without you. Or maybe it was a sporting event or something, and you like, you, you brought it home at the end right? You, you made it happen. Or at work, you know, you got that project pushed through, you got that initiative done, whatever it may be, you got that taken care of. And then at the end, it was accepted. Like, people loved the project. It was great. Got a great grade on it. People loved the fact that you won the, the track meet or whatever it was. People loved the project, the initiative that you pushed. But you didn't get any acknowledgement. You, like, poured yourself into this. But somebody else got the front page, of the paper. And there was a part of you that felt like, wait a second, she doesn't fit. In fact, it makes me feel like I don't fit. I feel a little bit like a misfit. Even though I was there, I made it happen. And so could you imagine Jesus, even if you don't believe in him, I mean, just think about how that made you feel, and think about Jesus coming into the world, and the world was being made through him, and yet people, the world, the creation, didn't even recognize him for who he was. It'd be a little bit frustrating. John clarifies as he goes on. He said, he came to that which was his own, his creation, but his own did not receive him. And what is essentially another way of saying you were not received? You're rejected. In fact, all his life, if you grew up in, in, in church, you know the stories. All of his life, as an infant, he had to run because crazy King Herod was out to get him because crazy King Herod, if he got wind of somebody trying to take over, even if it was just in his own mind, I mean, he would, he would off his brothers, he would off his own children, I mean, off, okay? And he'd do that, and, and so when he got wind of maybe a Jewish king being born, you got to take care of that, so he did, so Jesus was running. All through Jesus' ministry, he was constantly pushed out or tried to, uh, people tried to push him out. They didn't want to accept him. I mean, my friends, when you think about not fitting, Jesus, Jesus gets that. I mean, he was ignored. He was betrayed. He was spit on. He was beaten. And he was crucified for who he was. And in their minds, a misfit. And here's the thing that I don't want you to miss. Why was Jesus rejected? Another way of saying it, why do we have Christmas? Why do we even celebrate this time? Why do we get together? So that we could be accepted. Jesus came to be rejected so that you and I could feel and know that we were accepted. This is good news. See, when we talk about the gospel, gospel is short for good news. That's what we're talking about. So that when you are in the moment where you are tempted to run away because you know the going's about to get tough and you got a choice to make and you're going to avoid it, you're going to do everything, you're not going to return calls, whatever it is, and you're feeling in that moment as a misfit, even if you were responsible or not, you feel like a misfit. Before, some of you, before you think that your sin, you're missing the mark with God, missing the mark with others, disqualifies you. 
Before you start to think that the sin of others against you, towards you, when others have missed the mark, sometimes in big, painful ways, defines you. We celebrate Christmas. Jesus was rejected so that you could be accepted. So that in here and in here, you would know and you would feel the love of God. That you are not a misfit. That you are accepted. And here's how John puts it. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed, those who had faith, those who put trust in him, those who followed him. To follow someone, you generally, to some degree at least, trust him. Do you not? To those of you who follow him, believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To become part of God's family. Jesus' birth means that in that moment, before you decide, am I running, am I engaging with, I don't know what to do, it's so hard, I'm challenging, it's emotional, it's painful, you stop. And you realize you don't know the implication. You don't know how this is going to pan out in your church and your ki- with your kids and your family, with your work. You stop and remember you are a part of God's family. Not just a part of God fam- God's family. John could have said that. No, no, no. John says, no, no, no. When I walked with Jesus, Jesus invited us to be children of God. And if you have children, you know you do just about anything for them. And that's the message your heavenly Father wants to send and sent in a person in flesh named Jesus. John goes on, children not born of natural descent, just in case you're not getting this, not a natural thing, okay, not a biological thing, nor of a human decision, or in some cases a lack of decision and just an accident, or husband's will, but born of God. This is not a human being thing. This is a divine thing. Here's what John wants you to take away. Here's what Jesus and, most importantly, God wants you to take away. In God's family, misfits fit. In God's family, misfits fit. I mean, imagine for a second... If you're, I know this may be challenging, if you go to your family Christmas, maybe you need to close your eyes because it's going to take a little bit of work. Imagine your family, healthy, healthy relationships. You go in and it is a healthy family. And you feel loved, you feel freedom, not a burden, not being ashamed. You feel not a push and a pull, but just a love just a love. I mean, for some of you, it'd be like, it'd take like a whole new family. Like, I don't even know if my family's capable of that. I mean, we got so much stuff. We got years and years of stuff. I got stuff inside here that I don't even know about. But just imagine what that would be like. Imagine to feel accepted. When you walk in, somebody says, good to see you. Instead of kind of half hug. It's like a new family. 
And that's when we, when we have baptism. Actually, it was awesome. Brian had his, his baptism, like raised to life on there. When we talk about baptism, new life, that's what we're talking about, that you are in a whole new life with a, a brand new, big extended family, the family of God. I mean, imagine walking into a church and you felt like even though others have told you that you're a misfit, God's family is around you saying, nope, you fit. You fit. Even though you've expect, ex, um, experienced rejection in the past in your church experience. Or maybe you're in a place in your church experience where you're feeling a little rejection. You're like, is that rejection? I'm not really sure. Is that, is that grace or is it truth or a little too heavy on the truth? Like truth really kind of hurts and not in a helpful way, in a painful way kind of truth. One, you need to be here next week because that's what we're talking about. And two, I'm just telling you, this is what John said, and John said in God's family, misfits fit. And even if you're sitting there saying, well, I'm not sure if my sin is going to allow me in, I want you to know that it is. Because that's why Jesus came. So that he could be rejected for your sin, for the reasons that you have maybe walked away or kind of self-selected out. God said, no, 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 no. You're running, you're avoiding, I want you to come back. I want you to be adopted into my family. As some of you know how the story of Rudolph and the Red-Nosed Reindeer ends, as Moonraiser said to, to Rudolph, you know, maybe you could go to Santa and say, hey, Santa, could you come get the misfit toys and bring them to children who would love them? Because that's what every toy wants. What's funny um, is this image of, of Santa at the very end coming and all the misfit toys jumping into his bag. In the original version, back in 1964, in the original version, this didn't take place. Santa didn't come and get the toys. And unfortunately, I couldn't figure out whether or not that was intentional or unintentional or it just ran out of, of time or something. But there was no scene where the misfit toys were redeemed, where the misfit toys finally felt like they fit. And then a massive write-in ensued. And I know for some of you that is not a familiar term, but back in those days you had to write letters, okay? You got a pen and paper out and you wrote letters. So imagine people, can you imagine this, taking the time to write a letter and they wrote it into the producers and they said, you need to fix this because the toys need a home. And so guess what they did? They rewrote the script. And all the toys, in the next, version, in the next year's release of the movie that they played on TV, Santa came and got the toys. And that's probably, most likely for many of you, the story's ending if you grew up with this and you remember watching this show. But that wasn't how it started. So here's my question. What if not just us acknowledging, not just us acknowledging that we fit, but what if we help rewrite the script of other people's lives too? What if we Rewrite those moments when people feel like they're not included. And instead, they feel included. We don't get caught up in that, that, that pettiness that we like when we 
tend to kind of make it about me, you know, like you're different than me or you hurt me so I'm not gonna or I don't understand you, you just don't make sense so I'm just gonna not help or not contribute or just whatever. I mean, that's pretty much walking away. You're not engaging in, you're walking with other people. And I understand for some of you, the stories you could, you could, you know, after service, you can tell me these stories of your life. And I'd probably sit there and be like, yeah, wow, that makes sense. I understand why you felt like you needed to walk away. And don't get me wrong. In some cases you do. But what if in the face of that, you helped rewrite that moment? And this Christmas, when your family gets together, or you get together with coworkers or whatever, you say, as someone comes in who may feel like a misfit, or even someone who has treated you like a misfit comes in, you would say, good to see you. It's good to see you. Not like a good to see you, like, oh, I don't really mean that, but like, no, I am glad to see you. And the only way that's going to happen, the only way that's going to happen is when you stop and maybe you need to just like say an inward prayer. Even if you're not a Christian, you can just say a little inward prayer. It, it's allowable, even if you're not Christian, to say prayers. In fact, most non-Christians even do say prayers. You just remember that in God's family, misfits fit. And when you're looking at your sibling, when you're looking at your family, when you're looking at your coworker, your boss, or whomever it is, they are children of God too. That's who you're looking down. I mean, just imagine, imagine if even all the churches in Johnson County, there's a little over 70 of them. Imagine if all the churches decided to do that for a week. All the Christians, all the Jesus followers went out and just treated people like they were all part of God's family. Now, a little hint, you're going to have to get that first generally speaking, before you can give that out to others. But I think you can imagine that the world would be a little bit of a better place. If there wasn't me and my spouse, there was us. Me and my family, there was just my family. Republican, Democrat, whatever it may be, God's family comes first. So that's my prayer for you this Christmas, that you would remember in those moments that the reason you're all getting together, Christmas, part of that is to remember and celebrate what John had to say, this right here. Okay, let me pray for us, and uh, we'll sing one more song and, and get you out of here. Heavenly Father, um, I realize uh, for some of us, there is a lot of um, baggage there is a lot of baggage. There's a lot of bad choices. There's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of sin. Our sin, other people's sin. Lord, it is difficult. Definitely difficult to sort through some of that. I mean, for some of us, we've just gotten to a place in our life where we just assume the life we're going to live is a little bit like a misfit. And so, Lord, my prayer this morning, my prayer this Christmas season especially, I hope it can go beyond Christmas, but especially right now, that we remember that if we put our trust, our faith, our belief in Jesus, we are putting our trust and our faith, we are following someone who experienced the utmost 
rejection. In fact, when Jesus was nearing the end, he prayed to God, and God was quiet. And that is so difficult when God is quiet, or we're in a season where we feel like God is quiet. And so, Lord, my prayer is in the midst of all that, you would stir something in our hearts and in our minds, wherever that may be, to help us to move through, to have courage and strength to say no, to be defined by your love for us more so than the sin in our lives or the sin around us. And we would say we are children of God. That is our identity. That is our definition more than anything else. And from that place, we can sit across the table from people. We can engage with people with love and grace and truth, just like we're going to talk about next week. Lord, that you would just help us to take that step into that this Christmas, into our relationships, into our work, into our Monday morning, our Tuesday afternoon, our Friday nights. Not a truth that we forget. Lord, we know that you love us, you care for us, and so my prayer, Lord, is that you help us in this walk. In your name I pray. Amen.